Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Top of the Food Chain. And I'm your host, he's one part mohawk, two parts attitude, and a touch of what the f***, it's Al Mancini. Thank you, thank you so much. Welcome to Top of the Food Chain on the Vegas Video Network. I'm your host, Al Mancini, who somehow in the past week has managed to become the least controversial food writer here in Las Vegas, I think. I never thought that would happen. So we'll see how long that lasts. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, a lot of feuding going on um, here in Las Vegas. People at Eater.com yelling at people. And of course, um, John Curtis on last week talking trash about guys like Brock Radke, and today's host, or today's guest, I'm today's host, Max Jacobson. So there was some trash talk happening last week. Max is here. He'll be mostly talking about food in his recent trip to London and to Paris, but he's also going to respond to John Curtis, hopefully. Hopefully I can get some, um, some controversy out of him as well today. So all of that is coming up in just a minute, but first, before we get into anything else, <laughs> you got me following that light there, Jacob. I'm sorry. For, um, before we get into anything else, I need to once again thank our great um, sponsors at Bread and Butter. Chris Heron and everybody at Bread and Butter, probably the coolest bakery here in town. Great place to go for lunch, for sandwiches. Get the bagels if you're up early or go late and get them half price or whatever they do. They always have good deals on the leftover bagels at the end of the day. And tell Chris and the crew that I sent you. Okay. Um, in the meantime, you're once again, you're on the Vegas Video Network. You can see all the programming here at VegasVideoNetwork.com, Roku, YouTube, iTunes. Everything is just about everywhere. Hopefully, however, you're watching live. And if you are watching live, now's the time to get into the live chat room, where you can ask any question you want of either myself or Max Jacobson. Again, topics mainly are going to be about food in Europe, but also trash talk. So if you have anything to say about any of them, Please get into the chat room right now. You can email questions for future shows to food at VegasVideoNetwork.com. Um, and you can basically, what else do we have going on? Oh, phone in, 866-966-4599. Phone in questions and leave a message there, and we'll get to them on future shows. Or as I like to say, just talk dirty to us. Anyway, we will be back with Max in just a second. We've got, again, so much to say that I don't want to waste time up here at the top of the show. So let's get this message out of the way, and Max will be right here. Traditional media believes that after about three minutes, you'll tune out. Most Vegas media companies think if it doesn't jiggle, you won't tune in. At the Vegas Video Network, we think both are wrong. The Vegas Video Network is the first and only live online broadcast network that specializes in insider news and expert views about Vegas. We combine great storytelling with the ability to watch when and where you want on your computer, mobile device, or television. Discover the real Las Vegas. Visit VegasVideoNetwork.com. And Max is ready in the green room, but before we get to him, you know, I always love to share what goes on behind the scenes, behind the curtain, as you will say here in Las Vegas, on the food scene. And man, we had a get-together going on um, by the pool at Caesars Palace yesterday. Unbelievable. Um, if you're not aware, Vegas Uncorked is coming up in uh, May. And it's this great event that brings all kinds of incredible chefs to town. You get to hang out with them. You get to have dinner with them. Um, very intimate events, as well as really large ones. 
Speaking of large ones, in order to kick this off, they or to announce it, I guess, they basically had some of the best chefs in Vegas, some of whom flew, flew in for it, set a world record for the most bottles of wine uncorked in 30 seconds. And as you can see, I mean, just in the front row there, you're going to see guys, great guys, Frankie Pellegrino, you've got Julian Serrano, Hubert Keller, Michael Mina's up there, um, Rick Moonen, Jose Andreas, Bradley Ogden. And that's just like the front or the first two rows. This thing went back um, 300 and some people, everybody with a wine, wine screw in hand, um, excuse me, wine key, corkscrew, as you might say, that old-fashioned one. And they had 30 seconds to each uncork a bottle of wine. And within that 30 seconds, 308 of them did it. We have a new world record here in Vegas. Congrats just to everybody at Uncorked who was able to handle that. Anyway, we'll get to Max right after this. Oh, we're not doing after this. I'm sorry. We'll get to Max right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, it's a little, it's a, yeah, there's Max. Look at this. It, it's a slightly new format, Max. I'm, I'm a little... Frazzled, second week we've done it. You know what else? We, how many, how many um, tequila cocktails were we offered at lunch today? Six. Six, plus a shot. It was yeah. crazy. At a noon lunch over at Jose Andres' um, China Poblana. We survived. We've got more stuff on the table here. Yeah, we've got more mezcal and tequila. Obviously, you and I both set most of those cocktails aside because we knew we had this show to do. But and I'm off to a scotch dinner after this. Man, we've, we've got the rough life. Do you want any more tequila or uh, Maybe a little bit later, but I wanted to just say one thing. Uh, spawn of the Pillsbury Doughboy, Chris Heron, he really does have a great place, bread and butter. I went there the, uh, the day before I left on my trip, and I had his muffaletta, which I had never had even when I reviewed it, and I got to tell you, it's better than the one at the Central Grocery in New Orleans. Right. So, well, that's quite the compliment. <laughs> it was great. It's great. Absolutely. And the, the guy, is, he's got really... Great stuff happening up there. Yeah, he's amazing. Great place. Definitely, if you're out um, in Henderson, it's definitely, even if you're not in Henderson, you want to take well, a trip I live over there. Yeah. So I, I almost went there this morning, but I knew I was eating two meals, so I just had an energy bar. That was a crazy meal at Jose Andres. It was a tequila and mezcal pairing. What did they bring out? About nine courses of food? Well, they brought extra food. They brought siumai and hagao and 20 vegetable fried rice that Shirley Chung invented. Jose loves that dish. Yeah. And I ate about half of a bowlful. I was doing fine until she brought that fried rice out. Yeah, I'm not a big lunch person, and I'm not a big six cocktails at lunch person, so it was a challenge, well, man. <laughs> yeah, lunch for you is breakfast, if you're up that early. If I'm up in time for most places. Well, yeah, this was noon. I'm not usually eating by noon. Yeah, so I understand. <laughs> but then you eat at 3 in the morning. Yeah, right? absolutely. That's so, when I get up. Right, so um, we're on different schedules, man. Well, I'm on the farmer's almanac schedule, you know. Yeah. The last time I was here, I was choking. I couldn't speak. I had a flu or something. Yeah, well, I'm glad to see you're feeling better. Well, it's been six months. And you've been, travel <laughs> yeah, but you've been traveling the world. I mean, usually all that time in... I have done a lot of traveling because my wife is out of town. She doesn't like me to leave her alone. The kids moved out and all that. So, uh, But she's off with her mother somewhere in South Asia, so I'm free to move about. Well, you just had this great trip to, um, to England and France, and that's yeah. what I want to talk to you about. Yeah, I, I went on Virgin Atlantic, which was quite nice, even though they jokered me out of my complimentary upgrade to premium economy that they promised. Laura Kilroy of the sales office in Connecticut, if you're <laughs> listening out there, I'm never going to ask you for anything again. You're off my list. Baby. Richard Branson, if you're out there. Richard Branson could care less. <laughs> you just as soon throw me out the window. Um, well, a lot of people would. 
Really? Especially <laughs> Richard Branson. Probably a lot of people on that flight by the time you were No, done. no, I didn't. Uh, well, I did, actually, something did happen. There was a, a very nice woman from London who happened to be Filipina sitting next to me, and she offered me a piece of chewing gum. Filipinas are great snackers. And I chewed it, and then I put it inside the plastic that they give you... Uh, when they give you a blanket, it's, it's a plastic blanket. And I don't know what this lady did, but about four hours later, she was wearing this vest with a black satin bag. And she said to me, where did you put your gum after you finished it? And I said, I put it inside the plastic that held my blanket. And she showed me the back of her vest, and it was covered with the gum. Nice. Making friends I got, I got over it off. the Atlantic. I, I actually took some ice, and I rubbed it. I know how to do that from my days as a waiter. And we... With a toothbrush and some ice, we cleaned the gum off. Of <laughs> well, it sounds like you had an interesting flight then. Yeah, per, her name was Merle, per Merle, poor Merle. She was probably mad at me. But anyway, what I wanted to tell you about was, you know, you have this famous oxymoron, British cuisine. Yeah, and I haven't been to England to eat in probably 15 years. Yeah, but the whole point is who eats English food there? It's the most multinational city in the world, London. Right. And you can't turn around without hearing Latvian. Burmese, and they have every kind of food, and you go, you know, we have Fresh and Easy here, which is owned by a British company called Tesco, which is a big, low-end supermarket chain in the UK. You go into a Tesco, they have aisle after aisle of ready-made meals, and it's the most international selection you've ever seen. Name your favorite tagine from Morocco, your favorite Indian takeaway, your favorite Chinese dish. They've got Turkish food, you name it. You don't have to eat English food ever. Well, that's because they were out conquering the world long before we were even established. Yeah, so. but on Virgin Atlantic, they give you a bloody sausage roll for a snack, <laughs> which even a cat wouldn't eat. Well, let's talk about how the food there compares. You know, gastropubs are huge over here right now. Yeah, are and, and I've been to several, but this not this trip. I went to a couple of restaurants that had Vegas ties. I went to Cut. Wolfgang Puck Steakhouse. In London, and he has There's one, one here. in L.A., one in here, and, and he just opened one at 45 Park Lane in the Dorchester Collection. It's a very posh private hotel. And one thing I noticed about it was how terrific, I'm not uh, trying to suck up to Wolf here, but, you know, the, the service people were so great. They're gracious, they're friendly, and they managed to be sort of informal in that American way, and at the same time, they maintain this sort of British standard. So it's relaxing, it's friendly, they talk to you, but you know they're very efficient and they don't cross the boundaries. You know, they're very aware of the boundaries. And you feel that we're less aware of the boundaries at yeah, here? Yeah, sure, I don't think people here are trained in that way, but you know, uh, the cut staff, they have a couple of Americans, a couple of French people, and then they have an international crew. I forget where my waitress came from, some European country. She was very beautiful, of course. Right. That never hurts. <laughs> and the, you know, the food was terrific. It was, it, it's really pretty close to what you get here, except that there are certain things that you get there that aren't available here. For example, British beef. I had, uh, I think it was something like Castor Bridge Farms, and it was very flavorful, a little ch more chewy than American beef, not as fatty, but I quite liked it. I had a New York sirloin tasting. And I had this warm veal tongue salad with marinated artichokes and shell beans. And that's not available here? Because I thought I may have yes, it. Yes, but it's somehow the ingredients there seemed like they were better. They were fresher. They were more vivid.
Okay. I think that, you know, because it's a small country, I think the distribution system is such that the top-end restaurants get their food from the farmers or from the distributors faster, whereas here it may spend that extra day in a refrigerated truck and lose flavor. And you it think was that, just terrific. And they have as many great farmers and distributors over there or more than we have well, here? Well, yeah, sure. And now with the, uh, you know, with the Eurostar, which is two hours and a half from Paris, city center to city center, and I took it, by the way. I'll get to that. You can also get stuff from France P on the PDQ, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, and I ate in uh, Sketch, London, which is a very lively place for young people. And Sketch, of course, is run by Pierre Gagnier, yeah, who runs yeah. Twist here in Las Vegas. That's right. Andrew and Oriano. Yep. And Pascal Sanchez, the chef from Twist, recommended I go there. It's very inexpensive. I, I, I spent Very different than there. Twist. Twist is very yeah, expensive. Yeah, no, um, I got a little bit of a discount from the GM, but I ended up spending 50 pounds only, which is about 78 bucks. For two, we had two main dishes and we shared an appetizer. And I had a little crepe net of lamb, 48-hour slow-roasted ram. Lamb, not ram. Ram. That would be good, too. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a ram, roast of ram. ram yeah. <laughs> and uh, some beans and some dates. It was a nice plate of food. Well, you know, Gagnier over here especially is known for being this kind of mad scientist, mad yeah, genius, and you playful. Get, you get that even more so at Sketch because it's for young people and it's very cutting edge stuff. I hated the dessert, which the waiter insisted I order. It's called Malabar. And Malabar apparently is the name of this bubble gum that he had in France as a child and he was nostalgic for. So what they gave me was a bubble gum mousse and a bubble gum sorbet. So the waiter came over, he was a Tunisian guy, a Francophone guy called Mohammed, And he asked me well, how I liked my Sorbet, and I said, I can only think of one word in French for it. And he said, what's that? And I said, gerber, and his face fell. Gerber in French is the verb to pile up, but it's slang for throw up, like right. or lurch or something. Okay. So when I said that, Yuck. he just kind of took a powder. Well, you know, but it is kind of cool. <laughs> what's cool, though, to hear you say is because when we get that kind of food, that kind of crazy you know, food over here, you really do have to spend a couple hundred dollars a head to get it. So it's kind of cool to know that, you know, in England, where I always hear things are so expensive, you can get a taste of that kind of playfulness, craziness. Well, no, it's not that expensive there. Like, no, that's what I mean. It sounds like you could get it a lot less expensive. Well, there's a chain. There's one at the airport that I quite like called Apostrophe. You know, it's a soup and sandwich place. And it's about $10 to eat there. And I think the food's terrific. So, you know, even these places, which are essentially British, mm -hmm. you know, they're very good. And the, the, the coffee bars, you know, uh, I mean, maybe it's a grass is always greener syndrome. I had a flat white every day at a place called Gale's, which is just a little coffee chain, and they have great bakery and they have delicious ham and cheese croissant, great blueberry muffins. A flat white, which is basically like, halfway between a latte and a cappuccino. You can get it at Samba Latte up there in Boca Park. Mm -hmm. It was two pounds 50. I don't know what that is, about four and a quarter. Not, not cheap. Right. Pricier than Starbucks by about 35%. But the coffee tastes a whole hell of a lot better. What about Indian food? I mean, you are a, a connoisseur of good Indian cuisine. You, you know probably more about Indian food than anyone I know in this city. And you're renowned for saying 
to people that ask you where to find a good restaurant, Indian restaurant in Las Vegas, that they should take a flight to London? Well, <laughs> I didn't eat in an Indian restaurant this year. Last year I ate in probably the best one I've ever been in, in Barclay Square. It's called Benares. And it was astronomically expensive, but it was great. I mean, I had an entree, it was 38 pounds for that dish, which is what, 50, 55 bucks? Yeah. You know, in an Indian restaurant, 55 bucks for one dish? I mean, that's a lot of money. Come on. Yeah. But, you know, it's a terrific restaurant. This year, I ate in a Spanish restaurant, and I ate a couple of meals in private homes cooked by the butler. And they were great, too. I wish I had a butler who could cook like Tim the butler <laughs> at my friend Yvonne's house. It looks like we've got a question for you in the chat room. Sure. Uh, we got something going on? Yeah, Cat wants to know, has uh, Max ever had... Uh... Cat wants to know if I know how to turn on my mic. Apparently not. Okay. Cat uh, wants to know, has Max ever had good tonkatsu, which apparently is Japanese deep-fried pork? Yeah, of You're course. In Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say it's decent here at uh, that little Japanese, the little Japanese coffee shop there, Cafe du Japon. Yeah. With the little kisaten, just like you have in Tokyo. It's tonkatsu is how you pronounce it. Right. Of course, I set the bar at a very famous fa and famously cheap place in Tokyo, and I lived in Tokyo for three years, and there's a place called Tonki which yeah. sells basically only tonkatsu, right. which is a breaded pork cutlet, and they cut it into strips, and then they put that thick, it looks almost like Worcestershire sauce on it, mm -hmm. and then you eat it on a bowl of rice with right. pickles. And, of course, nothing compares to that. Right. But Cafe de Japan, I mean, very inexpensive, very small. It's in that same little shopping center that has Raku and Manta yeah. and all those other you know, yeah, great restaurants. Good. right and on Spring also Mountain. Chiara. Chiara is good. All you can eat for 29 bucks. Yeah. It's mostly sushi, but they do have tonkatsu, and you can have all the tonkatsu you can eat as part of your meal. Scott, do we have another question, or are we moving no. on to France? Okay, the light was still on there. Um, let's talk, you know, you went from England to France. Yeah, I took the Eurostar, the train that goes through that channel, the so-called tunnel in the English Channel, and it's two and a half hours from city center to city center. And, uh, you know, they have service on the train. You can eat. You, you get coffee. If you're in standard premier, they give you a meal. And if you're in um, business premier, which is like first class, they give you a very fancy hot meal. Mm. And the seats are plush. There's plenty of room for the bags. And uh, I went to Paris principally to see an old friend and to eat in Alain Ducasse at the Plaza Athenay. Monsieur Ducasse graciously invited me to dinner there and said, bring a guest. However, I could feel my uh, lower extremities rumbling in anticipation of getting a check, which would have been well in excess of $1,000, yeah. but I did not get a check. Yeah, I mean, Alain Ducasse, you know, one of the great three-star Paris masters that is here in Las Vegas, but, I mean, most people, I think, assume that what he does here, a mix, by the way, on top of Mandalay Bay, yeah. um, that what he does here is not anywhere close to being on par with what he does well, in Paris. Well, I had one dish. I mean, part of it's ingredient-driven, you know. I had one dish that was 110 euros on the cart menu. I didn't want to do a tasting menu. It's just too much. It, it was a, about the size of a Rubik's Cube. It was probably the <laughs> richest, butteriest pastry you ever saw in your life. And inside were layers of, of cubes of truffles, cubes of foie gras that sort of exploded in your mouth. 
and warm guinea hen pate. And it was, they surrounded it with a black truffle coulis. And it was just the most delicious thing I've ever tasted. There used to be a dish in the early 20th century called truffe de la sante, where they cooked a truffle, whole truffle, the size of an apple mm -hmm. in ash, and then they wrapped it up in this pastry and you ate wow. it like an apple. Wow. I've always wanted to do that, but I think that's one of those vanishing dishes <laughs> that you don't see on the planet. Right. This thing came close. Mm -hmm. And I tell you, it was, it was worth a trip to France for, for a glutton like me just to eat this. And so you're saying it would have been $1,000 American to do a la carte for two people. So not, like a yeah, tasting menu the, would have been ridiculously more no, than that's, that. It's, the card is always more expensive than the tasting menu, actually. Because the, you know, the dishes, when you, when you get a tasting menu, you just get little bits of these dishes. Mm -hmm. And when you order, uh, these chefs like to serve a menu. It makes it easier for them. When you order something a la carte, you know, they have to fix it up in advance and make it full size. So they charge more. In the three-star restaurants, it's always cheaper to eat the menu. Well, how many, how many courses are you having then? That well, I had two. I had a crayfish bisque, which was extraordinarily rich. And I was sorry I ordered it delicious as it was. But, you know, there's always a whole parade of... Amuse and See, but chocolates I, I, and. I think I disagree with you. I don't think. I think if we were to walk into Robichon today, and order two or three. Oh, okay. You're saying in Paris it's always more expensive to eat. Yeah. Okay. Because over here it's definitely no, more expensive it, to eat a tasting menu. Believe me, they just they want to discourage people from ordering off the menu in these restaurants, and they discourage it by inflating the price. Okay. Um, what, was I gonna, what else? What, what other types of restaurants did you... What's going on in Paris right now, culinary-wise, and how well, does it compare to what we think French food is in America? Well, I was only there for a day, you know, but I do know that the trend in Paris are almost like these pop-up restaurants now. This whole fine dining thing is sort of at a low point, and a lot of these chefs are opening little places, and they're serving prefix menus, and you don't get a choice. You go and you eat what they're doing that day, and it's a lot more manageable for them, and the price is a lot lower, and it's a lot more popular with the people under 40. And so we compared the highest-end places to the, you know, Ducasse there to Ducasse here in Vegas. What about just the casual eateries there compared to Vegas? I mean, you think that there's a lot more cool casual stuff? Sure. Come on, it's a food culture. You know, you get off any metro stop, and you walk down any street, and you pass... These traiteurs, you know, these grocers that specialize in Chinese or Lebanese, artisan cheeses, artisan bread, candy. You know, it's like a murderer's row of, of great stuff to eat. You can't walk down the street in Paris without being tempted by 15 different shops in one city block, you know, if you're me. Right. And, and here in Las Vegas, obviously, not quite the same situation. No, I mean, in Las Vegas, you know, you can... Today, my, my big temptation was the new bacon cheddar stick at the 7-Eleven where I bought the Review <laughs> Journal. Mm, did did you give in to that I temptation? <laughs> well, speaking of, well, not that, but speaking of um, getting to more casual food, I want to talk about what John Curtis had to say about you last week. Can we, I mean, we've got a clip, Scott, uh, we have a clip John up. Curtis. <laughs> and you called I, him out this week. I, I know because I think, what, what, I, what I think is sometimes guys like Brock and Max and you, Sometimes. Don't blame me. I've never uh, been to. I've okay, never okay. been to Leonard uh, Skinner. Just, okay, I'm painting you all the same brush, okay? But I do. I think what they do. 
uh, is they get lazy, they go there, they, they get the PR schmooze, and then they, they end up uh, uh, going, hey, this meat is great, and here's what they told me. The, the owners went all over America looking for the best barbecue, and Chef you know, Joe Doblovich is you know, committed to great stuff. It's just a big PR blowjob. They buy it hook, line, and sinker. So is that fair? Do you think that you are... Um you're blowing the PR guys here in town, or the PR uh, ladies who are no, quite, no, no. quite beautiful, many of them, so I wouldn't blame you for that. But, um, or, or you think John's just full of it? Um, well, first of all, John did spend a good part of his younger life in the South, and this is his opportunity to pull rank. You know, he's a Southerner. Ergo, he knows more about barbecue than anybody who isn't a Southerner. Okay, we'll let him have his jollies there. Um, but, you know... I once characterized John the way Johannes Brahms characterized Camille Sanson, a talented amateur. But I'm going to amend that. Now, <laughs> now I'm going to characterize Curtis the way Mussolini characterized Adolf Hitler, a mad little clown. <laughs> okay. um, except that, I, I, you know, Hitler at least had one ball. History, <laughs> history did record that. So... Um, as far as John is concerned, you know, he's an insecure little guy, but I love him. Okay. Well, yeah, this is going to be fun going back to work on the next edition of this book. <laughs> I don't know how I'm the only one staying out of the fights the past couple of weeks. Oh, we talk shit about you behind your back. Oh, I know that. <laughs> well, you know, as I've always said, you, you put any two of the, the, the three of us, Max, John, John, and myself, you put any two of us in the room, we will talk shit about the third. I mean, that is just a given. Sure, why not? Absolutely. That's what we do to amuse ourselves. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I mean, as far as he did say also, and you didn't air this, that I knew nothing about barbecue. We aired it um, last week, right? Yeah, you said you don't know anything well, about barbecue. And you okay, and that may be true, although I have been to every good barbecue place in the entire damn country. But that doesn't mean I absorbed any of it, of course. Um, uh, you know, American food is not what I really push in terms of being my specialty. You know, everybody knows I'm more about Asia. and You know, when I was at the L.A. Times... When I wanted to say something about French food, there were like five people there who slapped me down. You know, how dare you have an opinion about French food? You, you write about Japanese food. Right. I'm like, okay. So everybody wants to compartmentalize in our field. And uh, John's thing is, you know, France and barbecue and whatever else it is. And I'm sure he does know a lot about it. You I really do. You stand by your praise of Leonard Skinner barbecue? Well, look, I have to tell you, the owner's a friend of mine, and they brought me in there before they opened, and they had the guy from Kreutz Market here in Lockhart, Texas, which is like the holy grail of barbecue. And I've been there. They have Smitty's and all these other places. And they're all very good, of course. And I don't know, the concept probably doesn't travel that well. I, you know, I, I probably didn't get the, you know, the most unbiased uh, view of it with the with the barbecue master there from Texas and the owner fawning all over me and whatnot. But I like the guy, so I cut him some slack. Call me corrupt, but don't call me uh, ignorant. Ignorant, yeah. <laughs>
corrupt but never ignorant. Well, no, I'm sometimes I'm ignorant, but I, you know, I have a pretty good handle on. I'm just barbecue. trying to figure. You know, we're in an election year, and I'm trying to figure out whether that would play as a good motto. Call me corrupt but never ignorant. Yeah. Or, you know, which would be the? Or I'm ignorant but I'm not corrupt. Which would be the Republican? Well, which would be my, the Democratic? My, my brother's running for Olympia Snow Senate seat in the state of Maine. Really? So anybody out there in Maine? Um, what's yeah. your brother's name? Brad Jacobson. Okay. Did we, I saw a light up there a second ago, Scott, was yeah, that? Actually, uh, the question was, what did you actually think of the food? He answered it. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I love their sausage, I have to tell you. But I didn't eat it out of a steam table, and I hate eating out of a steam table. Right. So, so when I went there, I was in the kitchen with the barbecue guy. And that is part of what people criticize all food writers, all of us about, all the time, is we don't experience food the same way that other people experience well, it. Well, it's not entirely a valid criticism. Some, in this case, it probably is. But, you know, you can't make uh, yourself into a master chef if you're not one. So if you go to a restaurant where the guy doesn't have the chops, like there's this one place I hate to mention because it's a small place, so I won't mention it. It got a lot of praise, and it was clear to me when I went there, the guy was way out of his depth, menu was too ambitious, he just had no idea how to cook. And you won't mention it? No, I don't want to mention it. Okay. Well, look, um, I think we've gotten to most of the topics we wanted to. I want to thank you so much for coming in today. Sure, Al. I mean, it was great to bump into you at lunch and say you want to do the show, and here you are. Well, it's but always fun. That's what happens when there's a lot of tequila on the table, I think. True. We didn't even get to any, but you've got, you've got bourbon to get to tonight. <laughs> Scotch, actually. Scotch, sorry. I'm not a bourbon drinker. It's just no. too sweet for me. I like bourbon. I have some at home. Come on over. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Well, as soon as your wife comes back, she's going to have to cook that dinner we've been talking about for Yeah, a while. she'll cook it. In the meantime, when my wife gets back, the bourbon won't last very long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that All one. Right. The last thing I need is your wife mad at us now. Um, anyway, I want to thank you for coming down. I want to thank sure. everybody out there for watching. A couple things to plug. Um, they do a thing, by the way, if you need a haircut, and you trust me to do it, St. Baldrick's Day, you know this charity for kids with cancer? I don't trust you. You pretty much, well, all I got to do is shave you bald. I'm going to be a celebrity, well, I don't, calling me a celebrity is really <laughs> a ridiculous phrase, but I'm going to be one of the people that, um, that shaves the heads of the volunteers, and of course then you raise money for kids with cancer, you get your friends and your relatives to donate money if you're willing to shave your head. I'll be doing that at RERA on Saturday around noon, and I'm challenging a lot of my chef buddies to come down. I know a few of them are trying to re rearrange their schedules. Anybody out there, um, go on my blog, which is almancini.net. You'll see the details on how to sign up for that. And, you know, I mean, there's no point in me shaving my head. I already look as ridiculous as I possibly can. So I'll be shaving other people's heads for St. Baldrick's Day on Saturday. Like, you could grow green hair on your ears. Yeah, I could. Actually, that, that should be my punishment. I'd have to grow out the rest of my hair if I wanted to do that for charity. Um, so anyway, that's going on on Saturday. Again, we've got a book out, Eating Las Vegas, the 50 Essential Restaurants. If you like the chatter between Max, John, and myself, pick up the 2012 edition. There's only, there are more, twice as many vetoes this year, twice as much arguing as there was in 2011. I have to tell you, I gave a copy to a literary critic in London, and he, he really enjoyed it. He thought... You know, the energy in our book was very unusual for a restaurant book. He was really impressed. And this guy's never complimented me. When he lived in L.A., he never complimented anything I ever wrote at the L.A. Times. Well, that, that's good to hear. Very good to he hear. He really did like the book. Cool. Thank you again for tuning in. I will be back next week. Um, I'm hoping that, um, I know I promised you a show about shrimp this week. I'm hoping that we'll be doing that next week. 
But again, in my life, nothing is ever certain, so just tune in and find out. Do you have anything that we need to plug? Of course, read your stuff at Unica Home World. or Unica World. UnicaWorld.com and in Seven Magazine. Seven Magazine, of course. Um, I always write great stuff over there. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks a lot for watching. We'll see you next week. Okay.